If you're curious to engage with a lot of the topics we explore on the podcast in more creative and embodied ways, we welcome you to join us in Alchemize, our 10-week audio-based program of daily imagination practices intended to disrupt status quo ways of thinking, sensing, relating, and being. To be honest, without any grant support for our show right now, and we did just get turned down by several mainstream environmentalism philanthropies, this program and our Patreon are our primary means of supporting our labor for these free podcasts right now. We really want to remain untethered to corporate interests, and every small contribution to our Patreon or enrollment in our program Alchemize helps to ensure that we can continue producing these vital conversations that feature voices and perspectives often sidelined from mainstream media. So if you value our work and want to dive deeper with us, join us in Alchemize today at greendreamer.com slash alchemize and join our Patreon starting at just $3 at patreon.com slash greendreamer. Thank you so, so much for however you were able to support our work during these critical times. We are so deeply grateful. I think, you know, they primarily come to us for wellness content, but a lot of them, you know, in terms of like the political climate and everything that's been going on with climate change, a lot of them are becoming a lot more interested in learning about sustainability as well. What does it take to create engaging and highly shareable content? How is MindBodyGreen able to establish itself as an authority in the sustainability space? That's just the tip of the iceberg of what you hear today. Now, I want to take a quick moment to say hello if you're here for the first time. I'm so honored to have you. And if you'd like for me to send you a short email every Sunday with some highlights from the podcast uh, from the past week, you can head to greendreamer.com to sign up. I look forward to connecting with you there. And now on to our episode. Let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Our guest today is the sustainability editor of MindBodyGreen.com, which I'm almost certain you've come across before. MindBodyGreen is a leading digital media platform covering all things wellness, including the environment, because, well, we know that's also integral to our health. Our guest today over the past years has really helped MindBodyGreen to build out its comprehensive coverage of green topics. And I don't know about you, I personally love their positive approach to talking about sustainability and also they're almost very bite-sized content because my attention span is not very great. So I just really appreciate that their content feels always accessible, casual, and friendly. And to preface this interview, I want to first share three articles that our guest today has written for Mind Body Green. For the first one, I asked her what one of their most shared and popular pieces in the planet section was. And apparently it's one titled, This Couple Spent Decades Building Their Own Self-Sustaining Island. Basically, this couple in Tofino, British Columbia, built their own off-the-grid home that's just floating in the middle of a lake. And the article includes pictures showcasing the evolution of this home over the past decades. 
I was first intrigued and then uh, pleasantly shocked by how weirdly beautiful it is. So you're just going to have to check this out for yourself and see what you think. It'll be linked in the show notes at greendreamer.com slash 26. But if we just try to think about why this piece has been so popular, I don't know. It seems like people love learning about extremes, in this case, uh, in a good way, extreme ways to live off the grid and a peek into someone else's life that's maybe very different than what we know or that's very different than the norm and a good transformational story. The second article, I asked her for one of the weirdest or most memorable articles she's written for Mind Body Green, and she said it's one about the green burial movement. She said, quote, I never really thought about the environmental impact of death, but it's a really fascinating subject, end quote. To give you a little bit of a background, our current methods of cremation emits 600 million pounds of carbon dioxide in the United States and also uses a lot of raw materials like wood and metals. I never really thought about this either, so it was definitely an interesting read to me. Be sure to also give this one a read as well. And the third one, I asked her for an article about something that shifted her perspective on sustainability. And she answered that it's a toss-up between two different articles. The first one is The Case for Farmed Fish. And she said, I recently went to Norway to check out a few fish farms, and that really changed my perceptions of how we need to prepare to feed a growing world. I don't know where you stand on this, I'm still learning more myself, but it seems like fish farming isn't all the same and there are ways to do it relatively more sustainably. The second article that showcases her uh, shifting her perspective on sustainability is one called Why Recycling Won't Save the Planet featuring TerraCycle's CEO, Tom Zakey, who actually you'll be hearing from on Green Dreamer podcast soon as well. I'm super excited for that conversation. But yeah, I just wanted to first introduce you to a few pieces written by our guest today to showcase the diverse topics in the field that she's had to learn about and cover. So she's got a really bird's eye view of sustainability in general. Be sure to check all of these articles out. Again, all linked at greendreamer.com slash 26. But for now, let's get started learning from this talented woman herself. Green Dreamer is starting off with what got her into eco-living. Here's the sustainability editor of MindBodyGreen, Emma Lowy. So I first got involved in this, I would say, in high school. Um, I started volunteering for an environmental nonprofit because the founder was a friend of the family and I, you know, kind of was interested in exploring that world a little bit. And um, the work I did for that nonprofit culminated in a town cleanup at the beach. And I just remember being equally parts like disgusted and proud, just looking at the, you know, piles and piles of trash that we managed to pick up throughout the day. And it was just really exciting to see people come together over a shared mission of helping out, you know, clean up the community. Um, it was great to see my friends and classmates and people from all walks of life just like coming together for that. It was it was really inspiring and it was feeling I kind of got addicted to and knew I, I wanted to do more in that space. So over the years, what was one thing you learned about sustainability that made you want to dedicate your career to it? Let's see. I think just all of the really exciting initiatives that are going on in the space. You know, there are so many really smart, passionate people working to solve these problems and, you know, various different ways. They're all kind of attacking sustainability from a different lens. So I've always found it so interesting. You know, I've never gotten bored learning about 
people who are trying to dream up creative ways to reduce plastic or help increase renewable energy. Or I just feel like it's such a rich space that it's really, it's exciting. Yeah. What do you think is one of those problems that still shocks you today or like a statistic that you learned? So I feel like I'm always learning some really shocking stuff, just, you know, researching for articles and stuff. But um, something that I read recently that really surprised me was it was about Legos, like the toys. And I read that something like 400 billion Legos are just in our environment today. Um, and I think it was like 36,000 are made every minute. And it's just this thing you'd never really think about, you know, and I'm sure, you know, I love Legos. I'm sure some toys are, are even worse. But um, it's just crazy to think about, you know, little things like that. They're plastic, right? Mm-hmm, they're plastic. And the piece was about how they're finally making Legos that are recyclable, but up until this point, you haven't even been able to recycle them. So it's just insane to think about like stuff like that that you would totally overlook has such a huge impact. Yeah. Well, with all of this that you were learning about sustainability, what led you to becoming sustainability editor at Mind Body Green? So I started off at Mind Body Green about two and a half years ago. And originally I was kind of a generalist, but as I started exploring these topics more, um, I just got really interested. And I think that over the last two and a half years, we've really built out our sustainability coverage because we've really seen a real need for it. And our, our audience, I think, you know, they primarily come to us for wellness content, but a lot of them, you know, in terms of like the political climate and everything that's been going on with climate change, a lot of them are becoming a lot more interested in learning about sustainability as well which is, you know, super exciting. Um, so it's been fun to just build out that coverage and kind of get people to click on ways to be more sustainable. Yeah, so you've really grown with Mind Body Green because I feel like they've grown so quickly over the past few years. What do you think has been key to Mind Body Green attracting such a large audience? Hmm, that's a good question. I would say probably making wellness. I mean, our goal is to really make wellness and, you know, everything that that entails. So, you know, protecting your health, protecting the health of the planet, health of your community. Um, I think just making it accessible to everyone is one of our biggest goals. So, you know, we try and really speak to the people who are just getting into wellness for the first time, as well as, you know, the, you know, OG wellness experts. Um, So I think kind of speaking to a wide audience definitely helps. Mm -hmm. Being mindful that people are in all different places in their wellness and sustainability journeys. Totally. Yeah. It's important to meet people where they are. You know, you don't want to kind of preach or do anything like that. You just want to be really accessible and welcoming to a variety of different people. For sure. Well, you now publish articles almost every day. What does that content creation part look like for you behind the scenes? Yeah, so it's very busy. Um, <laughs> I usually publish about 10 to 15 pieces a week, um, kind of oh a mix my of my God, own writing and then yeah, so it's my own writing. And then, you know, other people will write for me as well. So it's definitely a lot. But like I said, you know, it's exciting to learn about all these various aspects of sustainability. And, you know, I can kind of be working on a story about toxins at home in the morning, and then interview some outdoor explorer in the afternoon. So it's super varied, which means, you know, it never gets boring. Um, so I love that part of it. Do you ever get creative block? And like, how do you stay inspired? Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, it still happens to you. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to write day after day. You know, there are definitely times where I'm like, oh, I like do not want to be <laughs> creative right now. But um, I'd say just getting outside is really helpful for me, just taking a walk, clearing my head. I'd say the same thing, you know, when I'm stressed out or something. It's just 
the days where you're stuck inside an office all day, they usually aren't my most creative days. So I, yeah, I love to just take, you know, 20 minutes or so and go on a walk and come back with a little bit more of a, a clear head. Yeah. Change of the scenery. What else yeah. is really challenging? Do you think about being sustainability editor? Um, I'd say just the pace. Um, I think that, you know, I'm sure you can kind of relate to this as well, but when you are a writer and you really want to put out something that you're proud of, you tend to kind of like obsess over it and want to spend a lot of time on it. But working in digital media, there's really not, you know, there's, you could always use more time. So I think it's been kind of difficult to get through that. But um, I think just letting go of the need to be perfect and just accepting that, you know, I put my best effort into this, it is what it is, and just letting it kind of out there. um, That's helped. Yeah. And you also have to stay so on top of the latest trends and world news. How do you stay updated to make sure you're like one step ahead of most other people? That's a good question, too. I think that it really helps. I'm on an editorial team with um, eight other women, and they're all awesome. And, you know, a lot of our conversations are geared towards what we're seeing in wellness and kind of the trends in that space. So I think it helps to just have surround yourself with people who have the same interests and can kind of like teach you things that you didn't necessarily know about. I think Instagram is a really great source. You know, I will scroll on my feed every day and see really cool new people doing like interesting things in the space I wouldn't have necessarily known about. So that's usually one of the first people uh, places I go to to look at trends um, and just following the news really carefully. You know, there are so many great sites out there that cover, cover environmental topics in their own way. So it's just staying on top of that is important too. Yeah, I feel like with info overload, a big problem that comes with that is information coming from sources that are maybe not so credible. How do you what's your process for making sure that the information you're citing is coming from a good place or coming from a credible source? Yeah, so I think something I always look for is um, just a primary source. So if an article is talking about a study, but doesn't link back to that study, I think that's kind of a red flag. So it's trying to like, to trace things back to their original source as much as possible because, you know, some people, like someone can publish one fact that isn't correct and not cite it. And then, you know, other sites can kind of build off of that and just assume that it's correct. But um, yeah, just looking back for original stuff is super important. Mm -hmm. I'm curious how often you come across facts that you can't trace back to the original primary sources. (sighs) It's, um, honestly pretty often I mean and I'm not saying that you know everyone who writes stuff and doesn't link back is is not truthful but um I would say maybe like 30% of the time I'll go on a site and can't find a link or don't really know how they found the information that they're putting out there yeah so as readers we also just have to be mindful that maybe one third of the time we should ask more questions before just taking information from somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it never hurts it. to do a little research, you know, in any in anything. And I know you also edit a lot of articles from contributing authors that come in. What do you look for to determine if something will do well for your audience or not? Um, so I think for me, I really like things that are super accessible and actionable for people. Um, you know, I really don't want someone to come to MBG and read a piece and then feel kind of hopeless or like they can't do anything to help the problem. So I think making a piece have just at least one little nugget that people at home can read and then, you know, be inspired to kind of implement in their own lives is super, super important to me. 
Mm-hmm. So you actually keep that in mind as you're looking for articles. Like you want people to end up feeling inspired and positive, like they can take action after reading something. Yes. Yeah, that's super important. And I think it can be hard. You know, this environmentalism is, it can be a really daunting, scary place. But I think as much as possible, just trying to find something that people can watch onto and get just a little bit inspired by is, it's important. Mm-hmm. How many articles have you written at this point? Have you ever counted? Oh, God, I, yeah, I have no idea. Um, a lot. <laughs> a lot. Probably more than, definitely more than a thousand, because there's 365 days. Yeah, in, in I guess so. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's weird that's to think a about. Lot. Yeah, what has tons. been your biggest learning lesson from having written over a thousand articles on sustainability? I think it all goes back to, I mean, like I was saying, making it super actionable. You know, the art, the pieces that I've gotten good feedback from, from readers have always been, been ones where the person has written to me and said, like, because of this article, I, you know, implemented this change in my life, which is like my favorite type of email to get. Cause it just, you know, being a writer, sometimes it can feel like you're just writing into the void and you like don't know who's actually interacting with your work. Um, so I think, yeah, just people w- who are inspired to make some sort of change, um, you always want to write to those people. Mm-hmm. That kind of leads to my next question is, in your experience, what makes a piece of content really engaging and shareable as of 2018? So I think starting with something that's a little shocking. So maybe, you know, like I was saying, that, that Lego statistic. And then, you know, exploring that topic and then ending with something that people can watch on to. So say, you know, there's so much plastic in the environment. Here's X statistic. Um, But here's something that you can do in your everyday life, you know, next time you go grocery shopping to kind of help out the problem. And I think that helps people kind of visualize like, okay, this is why I'm doing this. I'm doing this because this is such an issue. Um, And it just helps them have a little bit more ownership over the way that they live their lives. So really hooking people in with something shocking and then guiding them through the process, ending with something that they can do so they don't feel helpless. Yes, exactly. What else do you think makes something like really move a person? So I think there's, it's the sense of, you know, accessibility. And then also I think bringing things back to nature is really important and kind of getting people to think about the memories that they have in nature and just their, you know, everyone has a certain connection to the world outside. And I think kind of tapping into that can help people be more inspired to take steps to help it. I was interviewing this really fascinating journalist recently. Her name's Florence Williams. She wrote The Nature Fix which is an incredible book about um, kind of the science of why nature is so transformative. But she was saying that researchers are now starting to study the sense of awe. And they found that um, 70% of the time, I think it was, people experience a sense of awe when they're outside. So I think just tapping into those, you know, really memorable experiences in nature is like so important and everyone has one. I feel like you have a really bird's eye view of so much that's happening in the sustainability world and so much that's being said. What do you think is not helping? Like, what do you think has been slowing down the sustainability movement? I would say pieces that are a little bit too gloom and doom. I think that there's definitely a time and a place for that. Like, sometimes, yes, there are issues that you really can't find a bright side of. But I'd say just, you know, articles that, we people feeling really helpless aren't necessarily helping the cause. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, yeah, like sometimes, you know, you really have to kind of like shock people and, you know, there's no way around what's going on. But, um, yeah, I think like the super, super gloom and doom stuff isn't super helpful. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, what do you think can help the eco movement grow more quickly? So I think a lot of the really successful campaigns I've seen recently have been kind of fun. They've had an element of lightheartedness and play. Um, I'm thinking specifically about the Stop Sucking campaign from the Lonely Whale Foundation. I don't know if you're you're familiar with that. But um, yeah, so it's like a campaign with all these kind of funny actors and um, vouching to give up plastic straws. And I think that they unrolled that in Seattle and got people super excited about um, the Seattle plastic straw ban. Um, And it was just like a really fun, lighthearted video. It was quick and it just like had a very specific action tied to it, like stop using plastic straws. Um, And they've gotten a ton of momentum from that. So yeah, I think again, just kind of trying to find the lighthearted part or trying to like latch on some sort of fun to the topic can be super, super helpful. Um, yeah, I loved that. I love that campaign. Yeah, I love that it was literally one tiny action thing, like refuse right. straws. Like that's such a specific thing. But that's also, I guess, what helped it to take off as a movement is it's so simple. Right. And I think the more movements, like you could also say like, oh, that's so small, it's not really going to make a difference. But I mean, I think that these things kind of add on to each other. You know, first someone will stop giving up a plastic straw, then they'll read that you know, they really shouldn't be using, they really shouldn't be getting takeout in the first place because it comes with all those plastic cutlery and that sort of stuff. So I think that, you know, we make so many micro decisions in our day to day and just starting to make some of them more sustain, like thinking more sustainably when you're making them, it can just add up to a real lifestyle change. Totally. Every little bit adds up and that makes me really hopeful. And I know a lot of things excite you within this space, but what are you most excited about right now? Um, God, there's so much. I think the big push towards renewable energy, um, just both in terms of like individuals and larger corporations, is something that's super exciting to me. Um, you know, I think that that is one issue that's really going to like be getting a lot of traction in the coming months. Um, so that's been super fun to watch. Um, yeah, I think that's like the number one thing right now. That's so exciting. Well, we look forward to learning more from your coverage of renewable energy at Mind Body Green. And I know you're working on a book. What can you share with us about that? Yes, I'm working on my first book right now, which I'm super excited about. Um, it's called The Spirit Almanac. Um, and it's a self-care guide that uses rituals and the rituals are divided by season. So it's kind of, um, it's related to, you know, taking care of yourself and then also, you know, taking care of the world around you. Um, and that's coming out in October. It's just going to be fun. So exciting. Well, where can we follow your work online and on social media? So mindbodygreen.com, you can find my writing in the, uh, in the planet section. And then my website is just my name, emmaloey.com. And my Instagram handle is E-M-M, Lowy, so no A. 
Before we go into our final five tips for you, I wanted to tell you that we're always looking to hear from experts, creatives, and pioneers within sustainability to hopefully be able to share some of your wisdom on our future Bloom Tuesday episodes as well. So if you're interested in contributing tips and stories that you feel like could be helpful to us, feel welcome to reach out. You can email us at hello at greendreamer.com. And now onto our final five and key takeaways. Let's power through. Other than Mind Body Green, what's one social <laughs> media account or publication you follow that really uplifts you? So I really love Fast Company's sustainability coverage. You know, they write about emerging tech in the space that's kind of seeking to clean up the environment. And I find their work is always super fascinating. And it's stories that aren't necessarily told elsewhere. So I really love that site. Mm. What do you tell yourself to stay inspired and motivated? Um, everything happens for a reason. That's my, that's my motto. Uh, what's one action we can try out for our planet's health this week? Uh, switch to bar soap instead of uh, liquid soap wrapped in plastic. What makes you most hopeful for our planet right now? Uh, I think just the smart, passionate, dedicated people who are working to find solutions. And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as green dreamers? Just keep going and have fun with it. I'd say, you know, keep a sense of fun in everything you do. Keep a sense of fun in all that you do. Green Dreamer, here are my two key takeaways. Number one, in this fast-paced world, it can be easy to feel burnt out and uninspired because it's just constantly go, 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 and it's easy to feel like drained by this. So if we catch ourselves feeling this way or feel that we have creative block, it's okay to give ourselves a break and to go on a walk, to literally do nothing for a little bit, treat ourselves to something nice, clear our heads, ultimately taking a break, taking a step back to regain perspective. Again, reiterating another theme on this podcast, self-care is so important as part of our work in sustainability. It's personal sustainability. Number two, to create highly engaging and shareable content, start off with something shocking. Take your audience through an easy to understand and maybe even entertaining journey through this thought process and always end up with little positive nuggets of action steps that people can walk away with. This way, we can hook people in quickly, raise awareness for important information as the meat of the content, and then equip our audiences with simple takeaways and action steps so they can feel empowered and activated to do something. But there, that's a wrap for this episode. You can find the show notes at greendreamer.com 26. Get in touch with me on Instagram at Kamea Shane and email us at hello at greendreamer.com. And as always, remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and Green Dreamer, I will catch you later.